previously on Chillingworth. Lovern immediately told Wilbur to try to convince Floyd that Peggy and Joe were having an affair. Floyd knew that Brazil wouldn't deport him to the States on a murder charge because unlike the US government, the Brazilian government didn't execute people. Bobby decided to stay in the USA and face the music and started serving his sentence in a federal penitentiary in Tallahassee, Florida. Now Joe had taken his wife and his fortune. Floyd was willing to put his freedom, his new life, his new world at risk to face Joe and to get everything that Joe had promised him. Welcome back to Chillingworth. But what was it for? Intense greed and lust for power. That was Henry Levern of the Florida Sheriff's Bureau, lead detective in the Chillingworth investigation. Levern was talking about Joe Peel. On September 29, 1960, Joe Peel met with Jim Yenzer in room 127 in the Holiday Inn in Melbourne, Florida. Joe was accompanied by his business partner, Don Miles, a weaselly dullard who idolized him. When Floyd arrived in Florida after his 40-hour journey from Brazil, he immediately tried to contact Joe to set up a meeting. Floyd had chosen not to fly to Miami from Brazil, which would have been the easiest route. Instead, he first flew to Lima, Peru, then Bogota, Colombia, then Houston, Texas, then Tampa, Florida, where he chartered a private plane to Melbourne. Henry Levern, with the assistance of Ross Anderson of the Florida Sheriff's Bureau, along with Brevard County Deputy Ralph Clark, had hidden a mic in the dresser in room 127. The mic's cable ran underneath the carpet, underneath the door into the adjoining room 129, into a connection onto the reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder Lovern and his colleagues had set up. After Floyd had called Miles, demanding to meet Joe, Miles immediately contacted Joe to alert him to Floyd's arrival. Joe then called Jim Yenzer to set up a meeting. Joe wanted to walk through the details of Floyd's murder with Yenzer, the man he'd been paying for months in installments to kill his best friend. Now that he'd returned from Brazil, in his telephone conversation with Floyd, Miles had lied and said that Joe was out of town. Floyd and Miles, along with Joe's brother Johnny, agreed to meet at the bar of Joe's hotel, the Havanier. At the Havanier bar, Floyd told Don Miles and Johnny Peel that he'd come back to the States from Brazil to claim the $30,000 that Joe owed him, his remaining share of the insured capital profits up to that point. He's a raven maniac. Now, this man's a raven maniac. He doesn't know I'm here. Yeah. Now, Donna, you filled Jim in on exactly what it happened. He says, I'm real nervous. He says, I'm real nervous. You know how to he's going to something real proud of. You know how he does. <laughs> Joe assured Yenzer that once Floyd was dead, he'd get $3,000, the final installment under their contract. Jim, we're going to get to the fucking house. I swear to God. Look, look. That I want to lay awake in my fucking house on the bed? Huh? Huh? I'm not crazy. You're going to get it from out of state. It'll be wired to you or to whoever you wanted it wired to, or it will 
it will be mailed to you, registered or certified mail, care of the first of however you want it. He was going to go to Orlando and stand by until he heard that Floyd was dead. Now we're leaving now. We're going to go to Orlando, where we got TV stations, where we got radios, where we got newspapers. You understand what I mean? Joe wanted Yenzer to kill Floyd that very night. And if he could, although he wasn't demanding it as part of the deal, he wanted Yenzer to retrieve an eight-page letter that Jim Wilbur had sent Floyd in Brazil with details of the insured capital corporation's operations, details that would be incriminating to Joe. Yenzer then told Joe to call his house around 11 p.m. every night, station to station. Joe was to make the call using the alias Sammy Cooper, the name of one of Joe's former clients, and Yenzer would tell his wife Skeeter when she heard from a man using that name to respond with a code. A code that would tell Joe that he didn't have to worry about Floyd anymore. Once Joe had gone over the minutiae of the blueprint for Floyd's murder with Yenzer, he thoughtfully told him that he hoped he'd get through the job safe and sound. When Yenzer intimated that he was concerned about what Bobby Lincoln might do, if he ever discovered that Yenzer had killed his friend Floyd, Joe Peel assured Yenzer that he had nothing to worry about, not only because Bobby was in the federal penitentiary in Tallahassee, but also because Bobby's relationship with Floyd had soured after Floyd roped him into the Lugene Harvey murder. And, and, and secondly, there's no one lost there, but that, was a, that last Harvey deal was a real bad fucking As a bonus, Joe promised that if Yenzer was caught, he'd find him a lawyer and pay his legal fees. When Yenzer asked what would happen if Johnny Peel, Joe's brother, happened to be with Floyd, Joe shrugged and replied, well, you'll just have to take out my brother too. Okie doke. very fast of everything to you. They knew that Floyd was packing heat. They also knew he was enraged not just at Joe, but at the world in general, because he'd been forced to leave his happy home in Rio de Janeiro. And although their two informants, Jim Yenzer and Jim P.O. Wilbur, had acquitted themselves very well to date, as they spewed a long series of lies to both Joe Peel and Floyd Holzabel to get them to turn on each other, the task at hand would be way more taxing for the two men than anything they'd done so far in the service of the Florida Sheriff's Bureau, the people of the Sunshine State, and the family of Judge Curtis Chillingworth and his wife, Marjorie. Whatever their motivations for offering to provide information leading to the arrest of their close friends, Floyd Holzapple, Joe Peel, and Bobby Lincoln, both men displayed courage by agreeing to do what Henry Lovern was asking them to do. Lovern had had Yenzer arranged to meet in the very room in the Holiday Inn 127 where Yenzer had met with Don Miles and Joe the previous evening. In the adjoining room, Henry Lovern, Cliff Powell, and Ralph Clark were sitting around a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder wearing headphones. The instant Floyd and Yenzer entered the room, Yenzer started to tell Floyd what Joe had been up to. 
sit down and listen to a long story you're going to love. A year ago, or thereabouts, Joe got in touch with me. I heard that he told a story that he had the chillings with and that I planned it. This guy's talking too much. And you were getting pissed off at Joe that he was fucking you. In the first place, he tells me where you put the bodies. He's, uh, he gave me a location. He says that there is where the steamers run south in front of the Chillingsworth home. It's about 100 yards the other side of that, due east of the house. So I figured. Uh, I can get these bodies, you know, and throw them. I get the 10 grand. You're way the hell away from going someplace. So there's no deal there. And I make myself 10 grand off the deal. Uh, I actually... know that's a fucking lie. Well, I... Uh, listen, I figured it's a lie. He comes in here tonight... I can't tell you where they are. I need to get in, because I don't know. I have no way of knowing. You really drifted too bad? No, no. I mean, I... Uh, one night I told you something was a crap, but it wouldn't really be true. Very soon after the two men entered 127, Yenzer started to try to get Floyd to discuss the Chillingworth murders. Floyd emphatically denied that he had anything to do with the Chillingworth murders and told Yenzer that whatever he'd said to him about a year and a half earlier along those lines was unadulterated bullshit. Floyd wasn't shocked to learn that Joe had hired Yenzer to kill him. Well, I'll get right to the point then. This man hired me to hit you. This I man, this man gave me five thousand dollars. Yesterday, over a period of time, he come in this room tonight with Don Miles. He said that when it's done, you get two thousand more. I mean, I've been listen. I'll be truthful with you. I've been living off the guy. Yenzer told Floyd that he'd been living off the money Joe was paying him in installments for killing him. Floyd then recounted his escape to Brazil and told Yenzer of his desire to stay in Rio de Janeiro for the indefinite future. Then Yenzer told Floyd of the sad news of Joe's affair with Peggy. Peggy's made three trips back and forth in the last 11 months. She came up here, she went to the office for two weeks. Floyd informed Yenzer that Jim Wilbur had already told him that Joe and Peggy were shacking up during one of his many astronomically expensive phone calls with Wilbur while he was in Rio de Janeiro. I come up here. I reason I come back here. I just want my part of that money. I don't want to kill this man. I don't know what the fuck they do it. I don't kill him. I just want to get my money and get the fuck out back to Brazil. That's the most wonderful country you'll ever find in your fucking life. There are yeah. opportunities down there. Give me the unlimited. 
Like I told you, Tim, I, I, even with all this, I don't want to hurt this son of a bitch. I just want to get my end of this money and get the fuck back down there. Because I can build myself a hell of a good life down there. I don't have this uh, past hanging over my head all the time. I'm in a land of opportunity. I'm in a land where the fucking women make American women look sick. Look sick. After all this talking to Yenzer, he still wouldn't come around. We had to call Wilbur in West Palm and tell him to come up. Wilbur came up and sat in a room with us. After we went on for a while there, we, we called from one room to the other. They thought it was calling long distance. Wilbur was already in the room. Then he just come out of our room and went right around to there. Told him I was here. Jimmy, because oh, the damn, there's cops like to be all over this place. That's uh, uh, God damn! If you want to hit me on the fucking head, if you want to kick my ass, you're right, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm stuck with bullshit at this point. And now I really know the fucking facts of life. When Wilbur walked into room 127, Floyd apologized profusely for not letting Wilbur know that he was there. Wilbur convinced Floyd that he wasn't upset with him. He told Floyd that he knew that Joe's greed was the real reason he was still on the hook for the Bond and Floyd's arms case. Oh, that's I'm drinking vodka. You got vodka? I got some vodka in the car. You want to drink vodka? Me and Rick was the driver's seat. Okay. About that time, Floyd, Yenzer, and Wilbur started to hit up room service. Hard. Once Floyd was comfortable that his old friend, Jim Wilbur, was still on his side, he began to regale Wilbur with colorful and sordid tales of his life in South America, down in Rio. Oh, Jimmy, I had a beautiful maid and I wanted to fuck her so bad. She was 19 years old. Boy, she's a girl. She had about 40-inch tips. And Peggy seen her undress, I never did. And Peggy told me they stood up just like this. I'm supposed to hit Floyd tonight. Impossible. All right, now this is what we've, we've tentatively worked out. What's it? He can't, even though there's not a lot of heat on him now, which I don't believe from the newspapers. But Jim will know Newspapers? There ain't no damn newspapers death on him. All right. So the, the, he told he me that point before. But I say this, Floyd can't go walking around the streets. No, because um, the no. side of you can create pressure. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that, that's really great. Now, I suggested you doing something with him. All right, until we can set up a deal. Now, Joe is to contact me. He's going to make a station-to-station call. He's looking in the newspapers and uh, TV and all that stuff to see some guy riddled with billet, bullets on uh, the main street in Melbourne, I think. When Joe calls me, I'm going to set up immediately because he owes me a balance of two thousand dollars do you mind if i get my drink no go ahead i, I started one but is that yours no this is mine. i never did get mine i wanted some ice and i unwrapped the glass joe has, has repeatedly insisted to me that floyd is going to put him in the chair for the killing work deal that's the only reason that he brought me into this. In other words, I'm such a fucking real visionary. All right, myself. all right, now, let me finish now. If 
I arrange this meeting, and anything is to happen to Joe, I want to know it beforehand. I got the right to know. You got the right to know. Okay. Jimmy, I'll give okay. you my fucking word. Okay. I don't want to touch the man. It's not that I'm against it, but if it's going to happen, I want it to know. I enjoy living as a legitimate soldier. Okay. I, I, except for the pressure I have my peer, I've had the most peaceful eight months and the happiest eight months I've had in my life. All right. Since the war. Look, Floyd has to be hit, or at least Joe has to be convinced that Floyd has been hit in order to bring him out. He's going to disappear. Floyd knew that Joe was waiting for Yenzer's call informing him that Yenzer had performed his obligations under the murder for hire contract. Yenzer and Wilbur had convinced Floyd that they would assist him in any way they could in his effort to confront Joe and shake him down for the money he owed. They even offered to help Floyd come up with a line to deliver to Joe when he walked into the room not expecting Floyd to still be among the living. That's a good one, Ned. You can come out and get a major. I don't know what. Uh, oh, we've been racking our brains to think what should be the opening statement. Like drawing the curtain back, you know. Yeah. It should be by Tiffany, because this is such a unique situation. We're not working. Well, I'll tell you, whatever you do, it'll be hard to beat. I mean, to duplicate uh, in a play. It's, uh, if I had this is a Hitchcock production here. It you know? is, it is a dandy. I wish I had brought my damn movie camera. Room 127 in the Melbourne Holiday Inn seemed very congenial, even festive to Floyd. He was enjoying a reunion of sorts with two old friends, unaware that both were trying to help the law, send him away, or send him to the death house. Yenzer and Wilbur, on the other hand, in the midst of the celebration, were under pressure to maintain their facade. Both of them knew if they slipped, and Floyd perceived that they'd been lying their asses off, the celebratory ambiance would transform into something ghastly. Fortunately for Wilbur, he was a fine actor. Yinzer's performance, however, was inconsistent. Now, as far as the location of the body, I'll tell you this much. And I'll swear this by my son. I don't know where the chilling words are, and neither does Joe Peel. Well, the location he gave me, uh, let's face it, there's current. It's been five or six or seven years, something like that. So we're going to be floating down there. How'd you go look with Art? Well, I don't know what. Yeah. You did? Yeah. You know. Bring the chair over here so we don't have to shout. How could you move over there? That chair that makes my neck. Well, I'm telling you, I'm in agony with this darn thing. I just fixed to make a damn Chillingworth was created by Texas Crew Productions and Nighthouse Films. It's produced by John Moss, myself, Jonathan Payne, Rick Sykowski, and Brad Bernstein.